Hello and welcome to It's Your Money. I'm Susie Jones, your host, along with the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Bruce Helmer, and Chief Financial, actually, I should read this correctly, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor, Peg Webb. Welcome to both of you. How's everybody doing? Good morning, and I would say that Bruce is the Chief, Susie. Okay, good. I was right. (laughs) Who's the Good chief? morning, Bruce. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Peg uh, Webb, Susie Jones. Good to be with you, Susie. And listeners, today we're actually going to be talking about um, some year-end tax planning things that you can do between now and the end of the year. I can't believe we're already into November. I, I always say this, Peg, the older we get, the faster time seems to go, and this year has gone really fast. And we're very fortunate to have with us today frequent listeners of the show, will recognize our guest, Ryan McEwen. Uh, we're privileged to have join us today. Ryan is an advisor in our Mankato, uh, Minnesota uh, office. Uh, he's a CPA. He's a certified financial planner. Ryan, I've got all these things on your bio that I, I should tell people. You've been an adjunct professor at uh, Minnesota State University, Mankato. Uh, you do a lot of volunteer work within the community. You've been a drummer for 30 years. You're a long-standing member of the Ed Slot Master Elite Group, and those people in the financial services industry know who that is. And we're so fortunate to have you with us. And Peg, I want to say this too. I'm sorry to to hijack the show, and Ryan, I hope I don't make you blush. In addition, in addition to your your knowledge, so Peg, we talk on the show a lot about the roundtable team of specialists, and we have specific meetings sometimes. But also, there's just this network of advisors that if they have a technical issue, they can throw it out there. And, and, and I've done this before. And I get responses sometimes from advisors in New York or Florida or California or Pennsylvania, people I've never even met face-to-face that offer me insights and input to try to make sure that we're always giving our clients our best possible answers. But Ryan is so generous He's always one of the first people to chime in if anyone has a question. It's always particularly helpful. And, Ryan, I just want to thank you for that publicly because it's one thing to know as much as you do. It's another thing to be so generous and share it for the good of everybody. I just appreciate you so much, buddy. Well, you are welcome, Chief Helmer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and I've not checked with Ryan uh, before I say this, and I say this on every show that Ryan um, appears on, but uh, to be able to do what Ryan does is, you know, help hundreds of clients and then also help all of us on the roundtable, you have to be a walking encyclopedia. And this is what, in my clients smile when I tell them that Ryan is a walking encyclopedia because it's just, I don't know how you fit it all up there, Ryan, but it's just um, magical. And the fact that you do share with us is great. So we wanted you to be on the show today because Bruce mentioned it. There's things you can do before year end. I also am shocked that we're in November and this year just went by so fast. But it's a great time to remind people, listeners, of what can you do before year end. So we've got a couple themes here that we picked, and I I know you were – instrumental in in creating the themes for today's show, but the first one being tax loss harvesting. Absolutely, Peg. uh, So I'm in southern Minnesota. We've got a lot of farmland down here, and 
and so when we're going to talk harvesting. We're not talking about corn and beans. I, I know, Bruce, you're from Olivia, Minnesota, so you get that analogy. Absolutely. But, uh, I grew up uh, in farm country. <laughs> but uh, when we're talking tax off harvesting, we're talking about efficiently structuring transactions in taxable investment accounts to make sure that you don't pay unnecessary taxes. And so uh, what I mean by a non-retirement account, not your IRA, not your 401k, this has to be an account that's not in an IRA or one of those retirement tax sheltered retirement plans. And so the first thing we can talk about is loss harvesting. So let's say that you bought an investment and now it's worth less than what you paid for it. You can sell that investment before the end of the year. This is not something you can do after the end of the year, before April 15th. You gotta do it before December 31st. Um, and you can take a loss on your taxes. And how that works is that if, uh, if you, you can take up to $3,000 against your ordinary income and uh, offset just income from work, income from interest or, or other, other uh, types of income that you have. And any additional losses above $3,000 get carried forward into future years if you don't use them this year, and they, or they can offset other capital gains that you might have. So what you want to do is look at your portfolio and see if you have any investments that you have losses against, and you, you want to look to transact those before the end of the year. But now we're going to flip it, and we're going to do a different kind of harvesting. There's capital gain harvesting, and this is one of those odd times where we actually might want more income. Now, it's kind of weird because in tax planning, I feel like we're always trying to reduce income, but actually there are some benefits to an extent by harvesting gains. And the first one is, is if you do have some losses on your investment portfolio and you've got some gains in another part of your portfolio, you can harvest those gains and use up the losses that you got generated when you sold the investment at a loss. So the two wash each other out. And I feel like that's a, a good way to diversify. So let's say that you've got a holding at a gain and you've been meeting to sell it, but you don't want to pay the taxes on it. Uh, maybe it's good for diversification. It's good for your overall retirement plan or financial plan and, goal, and your goals and objectives. Uh, this would be an opportune time if you have some losses to take some gains to wash the two out and maybe diversify your portfolio. The other thing is that there's actually a 0% federal capital gains bracket if you keep your taxable income below $89,250 married or $44,725 single. Uh, you can actually, if your taxable income is below those levels, if you harvest gains, even this is, this is a special opportunity, you pay 0% federal capital gains tax. Now, that's only to the extent that you stay below that level. Now if, you're, now, if your income starts going above that level, only the portion that goes above those levels starts being taxed at a 15%. If you, go on, if you go above the level, it doesn't automatically make all of the gains taxed at 15%. You still get some of it at 0%. And I like to say this is a use it or lose it opportunity. You can't go, you know, let's say that you don't use up your $89,250 of taxable income or 44,725 single uh, use brackets that you can, that, you know, you can take advantage of the 0% capital gains in. 
you can't carry that over into the next year. And that's why planning is so important. This is uh, an annual coupon that the government is giving you to, al- to allow you to have so much capital gain income before you per- start paying any federal tax on it. So you better use it. This, hasn't, this coupon has an expiration of 1231. You don't want to miss out. And I know, Peg, you know, you, I know you and Nicole, you got, you are, your team is always looking to harvest these kinds of opportunities, aren't you? We are. And um, before I comment on that, I just want to let the listeners know we have Ryan, you know, in the studio basically this morning. And if you have questions on taxes, investments, financial planning, anything to do with money, you should call or text our studio line right now, 651-461-9226, because I'd love to get listeners involved earlier. But here's the scenario, Ryan. I have lost money and I'm not happy about it, but you're telling me that I should go sell my investment, take those losses. But how does that actually help me otherwise than taxes? Sure. Well, if you if you take the loss on your taxes, so let's say that you bought an investment for $10,000 and you sold it for $7,000. And this is, again, in a non-retirement account. Can't be in a 401k or an IRA or a Roth IRA any of those types of accounts, you have a $3,000 loss. Again, 10000 you bought it for, $7,000 you sold it for. 10 minus 7 is 3000 And so that $3,000 actually is a deduction on your, tax, on your tax return this year. So whatever your tax bracket is, uh, I would say, you know, typically it's about a third. Uh, you know, you might save about $1,000 on that $3,000 losses in taxes. Now, Again, we don't want losses because you lost $3,000. You're only saving $1,000 in taxes. So for God's sakes, don't go by losing investments in order to take advantage of this bracket. But as part of a diversified portfolio, you're always going to have some investments that do well and some investments that don't do as well. And this is a a way to take advantage of some of the investments that don't do well. You want to move on from those, get a tax benefit for doing so, and then reallocate those to maybe a more efficient investment. Now, there is a rule, though, and I, and I know this is a little bit more complex, but I think it needs to be mentioned, that if I, de- if I decide to sell my loser and then I go to cash, and then what if my loser gained, you know, because I can't go buy that loser back on the very next day? Can you just take a minute to explain that rule? Yeah, exactly. And what Peg is referring to is something called a wash sale rule. And you got to be careful about this uh, is where if you buy or sell the same investment, if let's say you bought it 30 days before you sold to take a loss, or if you buy it uh, uh, 30 days within 30 days after you sell it before or after. So it's a 60 day window uh, with that transaction. Uh, the IRS actually disallows that loss. And so being that your investment that you're selling could gain. This is where you got to think there's taxes, but then there's the there's the tax side of this suggestion, but there's the investment side. If you still feel good about the company or the stock, you've got a way taking that loss, you know, not being able to buy it back for 30 days versus, uh, you know, versus what could the potential gain be in that company during that time. Now, one solution you can use is what's called a substitute investment. So you can't buy the same exact investment, but let's say you sold a company that's in the healthcare sector. 
could buy a mutual fund that, that invests in the healthcare sector to have money invested in still in that same similar area, but not exactly the same thing in order to keep your money invested during that period of time. And then after 30 days, you could sell that fund and then buy the investment that you had sold for the loss. Hey, Ryan, I'm going to jump over uh, one of the themes and go right into this theme because I'm getting a lot of questions on this, is uh, reviewing your tax withholding. And then, you know, money markets are uh, north of 5%, treasuries are north of 5%. All these 1099s in 2023 are going to look completely different than 2022. And I've been warning my clients because they all want to stay under Medicare or they want to stay under certain uh, tax brackets, but they have to be aware of the fact that, you know, interest rates, yeah, it's great, but your 1099 is going to be bigger. Can you just comment on that? It is a blessing and a curse peg. It really, really is. And so uh, we've had low interest rates, you know, near zero since 2009. And in these past, you know, uh, 14 years, I really haven't had to look at what my clients have been earning on interest in the bank or in CDs because it's been very, very minimal. Interest rates have gone from virtually 0% to 5% this year, and that's generating a lot more taxable interest from money market accounts to treasury bills, uh, and that's going to trigger more taxable income this year. You've got to look at that you know, in addition to all the other things you've been looking at, I feel like people have forgotten to double check to make sure that, uh, you know, how much interest they're earning in their tax projections. Because it could, it, it's a surprise. I mean, for gosh sakes, we don't want lower interest rates. We want the income and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing, but you don't want to be caught off guard with an uh, unexpected tax bill. And uh, one thing I know, uh, you know, Peg, you and Nicole and, and my team is, is doing this quite a bit, is we've been looking at treasuries, uh, and and that's different than CDs or other kinds of taxable investments. Is that treasury bills are state tax exempt on the interest, and so when you're doing your tax planning, let's say you've got money in CDs or other types of taxable investments, you might want to see how much you know what's the interest rate on that, and compare that to an investment like a treasury bill because. What you know, perhaps you can get about the same rate, but you don't have to pay any state taxes. And where I'm from in Minnesota, we have a, a fairly high state income tax bracket, and so that that is a very big differentiator for our clients. <clears throat> I think it's huge. It's it's um, something that we're talking about on all the reviews that we have with clients. The other theme that we have listed here, um, and once again, we want to get listeners involved, but. There's obstacles in retirement planning, and, and we're the ones who actually tell clients, hey, we've got this obstacle. I need to educate you about this, and how is that going to affect you um, as a, as a uh, person that's planning for retirement or soon to be retired or already in retirement? What are some of these obstacles that we talk about a lot in the roundtable? Absolutely. And you know, some of them are opportunities as well as, you know, obstacles, too. You could look at it either way. I'm more of a, a glass half full kind of person, um, uh, just trying to encourage my clients to move forward despite these obstacles. Uh, right now, we're dealing with higher inflation. 
And uh, I know we've had lower inflation for a long period of time, but I think this is something that you really need to start looking at in your retirement planning and making sure that your investment portfolio is designed to get there, uh, making sure that you're not paying too much in taxes because it's tough when things go up in cost. It's even worse if you have to pay more taxes or unnecessary taxes, uh, you know, in doing so as well. Uh, and we just talked about rising interest rates that could generate some additional tax bills. Uh, uh, but then now you've got the ability with those higher interest rates for if you're retired, take a look at your portfolio and see, can you take advantage of these higher interest rates? Can you rebalance your portfolio to invest more in fixed income to generate the income that you want then versus stocks? Now, granted, you've got to look at your long-term goals and objectives, and I would highly suggest that just because interest rates are high, that doesn't mean you want to go full bore into into uh, these more conservative investments. You know, Bruce and Peg always talk about uh, you know these short you know uh, having some short-term money, having some mid-term money, and long-term money. You still want to focus on the long term as well too, and keep those assets growing over the long period of time. And there's just an uncertainty about the direction of the economy. These last few months, we've seen interest you know concerns about the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, what's that going to do to the home market? What's that going to do to the economy in general? Is it going to slow everything down where we might have a recession? And we got some pretty good news this week that things are going okay. There's lots of risks out there. Uh, the world is full of problems, uh, you know, deal with political concerns and so forth. So you've got to have a good plan uh, for all these obstacles that are coming our way. Hey, Ryan, we've got uh, less than three minutes left, and we need to take a break. But listeners, again, I'll remind you, it's a great day to ask your question. Ryan McEwen is with us. If you joined us late, let's take advantage of him, 651-461-9226 with your questions, your texts, or phone calls. We'll get to as many as we can in the second half of the show. And, Ryan, in the couple minutes we have left, one thing that hits me that we didn't touch on yet we talk all the time to our clients about taxes being on sale right now, and so we look harder at things like Roth conversions and such. Will you take a minute or two to talk about what we mean by that when we talk about taxes being on sale? Absolutely. So we are in historically low tax rate environments, and this is, this is going to kind of dovetail on some of the conversation we had earlier about harvesting capital gains. Uh, you know, every year you get to have so much income and stay in a lower tax bracket. And there are some laws that if Congress doesn't take action, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the tax rates that were enacted in 2018, they're going back to old rates at the end of 2025. So we've got 2023, 2024, and 2025 to use up these lower tax brackets, which are at lower tax rates. And these are like use it or lose it coupons. We've got these coupons every year, this year, next year, and in 2025. Don't use it. You lose it. Let's take advantage of these low tax brackets now so that way if these high tax brackets hit later on, you're better prepared. And if the rates don't go up, you know, you're in a much better position to lower your taxes over the course of your lifetime. Awesome. That's, uh, uh, that, that explains it well very succinctly. Uh, Susie, I know we're getting close to uh, time for a break, but uh, again, second half, we'll, uh, we'll kind of wrap up this discussion on year-end tax planning, our year-end tax planning checklist. 
but uh, hopefully we get lots of good questions from listeners in the second half of the show. Susie? Very good. Thank you so much. I want to remind folks, if you're listening and you're thinking about year-end tax information and where it is, sometimes it's about finding stuff as well, just making sure you're ready. 651-461-9226. That's the number to call if you have a question for Bruce or Peg or our special guest. 651-461-9226. We're back right after this on Your Money. It is your money, and we are happy to have you with us today. If you are listening, we're talking about year-end tax planning and a checklist that if you are following along at home, we're going through some things you need to know and get prepared for as we head into the end of the year, things you can do before the end of the year. And if you have a question for Bruce or Peg or our special guest, Ryan, you can call 651-461-9226. That, again, is 651 Five one four six one nine two two six. Take it away, Bruce. Thank you, Susie Jones. Uh, again, I'll reintroduce Ryan McEwen. Ryan is a uh, senior vice president at Wealth Enhancement Group. He's a financial advisor in our Mankato, Minnesota office. Uh, he's a certified financial planner and a CPA, and we're very fortunate to have him at Wealth Enhancement Group. And we're very fortunate to have him with us today. As Susie mentioned, we've been talking about year-end tax planning. In the first half of the show, if you joined us late, Ryan talked about tax loss harvesting. He talked a little bit about capital gains harvesting. We talked about obstacles that we're facing right now in 2023 to retirement planning. And we also talked a little bit about some of the consequences, both positively and negatively, of having higher interest rates. Again, that's always a two-edged sword. It's good if you're a saver. It's bad if you're a borrower. Um, And uh, and I'm going to turn it back to you two for other things you want to hit before we get listeners involved. But I have one that occurs to me. One thing that we didn't say, and maybe it's just obvious to everybody and listeners know this, but when we talk about things you can do before the end of the year, if you haven't funded yet your, your individual retirement account or your Roth IRA or things like that, you want to, and it makes sense, and you should, you, that's, those are also things, uh, maybe, maybe it's too obvious, but those are things you can and should do before the end of the year also. Peg? Yes. Um, the one that I have top of mind, Ryan, is the um, maximizing your contributions if you're looking for deductions, and then uh, the required minimum distributions. It's just kind of an ugly time of year for um, us in that so many clients love to wait till year end to take their required minimum distribution. They either want to make more money on their money before they have to take it, or they don't want to pay Uncle Sam anytime earlier than they have to uh, in the way of withdrawals. Can you comment on those couple things? Oh, absolutely, Peg. So let's hit retirement contributions first. And so for 401k accounts and 403bs, you can contribute $22,500. Everyone can contribute $22,500. And if you're age 50 or older this year, you have to contribute an additional $7,500 for a total of $30,000. Now, what's interesting about this, and you got to keep in mind, you can't write a check out to your 401k or 403b account. So if you want to and maximize or, or get as much as you can into these accounts before December 31st, you have to update your election for payroll because you only have so many paychecks left 
this year. You can't do this on December 31st and and try to get money into your 401k. You've got to start taking action now so that way your last few paychecks of the year will be lower, not because you're getting paid less, but because you're saving more into your retirement account. Actually, I had a conversation with the client on Friday. They're in a much higher tax position than they wanted to be this year. And my advice to them, uh, being that they have enough money in their savings account to live on in the interim, they're actually going to defer almost 100% of their check to their company retirement plan through the end of the year. Would have been way easier. You know, Peggy, you talk about procrastination. Would have been way easier if they would have started that back in January to spread those contributions out over the entire year. You've also got traditional and Roth IRA contributions. Those limits are $6,500 each for everybody, and it's a $1,000 catch-up. Now, this is one if you're age 50 or older. Now, this is one where it's not a December 31st deadline. You actually have until April 15th of 2024 to make these contributions for 2023. But if you have money in savings or let's say you've got money in a money market, we talked about interest rates being higher right now, you're paying taxes on those interests, on that interest that you're earning. Why not move that money, say, into a Roth IRA where the interest is tax-free? Most things you can in, that you're investing on outside of a Roth IRA, you can invest inside a Roth IRA, and, and it's really the same thing. I know Bruce always talks about, you know, the Roth IRA is just a vehicle. You know, you can put whatever, whatever you want into it uh, that you want to invest into it. So, you know, so keep that in mind. And, uh, and health savings accounts. Uh, this isn't necessarily a retirement account, but I feel it's like it's becoming more of a retirement account because health care expenses continue to rise. They're going to be one of our biggest expenses in retirement. So it's a good idea to put money into a health savings account and get a pre-tax deduction for the money you put in. The money grows tax-free, and the best part is it's tax-free if you use it for health care expenses. And, and I don't think there's a, any shortage of that in our future. Uh, so I think that's a good thing to do. And that limit is $3,850 if you're on an individual plan for 2023, $7,750 if you're on a family plan. And if you're over age, if you're age 55 or older, you get to put in an additional $1,000. Now, looking ahead to 2024, the IRS just released the 2024 retirement plan contribution amounts. And so for those of you, you're, you're in your open enrollment right now and figuring out how much to put in your 401k, maybe your HSA this year. I know some people like to plan ahead so that they're ready to make their 2024 contributions to their IRA or the Roth IRA account right in 2024. Those limits for 401ks and 403bs, it's up $500 from $22,500 to $23,000 in 2024. And the catch-up contribution is still $7,500 for age 50 or older. So if you're age 50 or older, the maximum is $30,500 in 2024. IRA and Roth IRA amounts, those are going up by $500 as well, from $6,500 per person to $7,000. Uh, for everybody. And if you're age 50 or older, you still have that $1,000 catch-up. So that's a total of $8,000 if you're age 50 or older for IRA or Roth IRA accounts in 2024. And HSA for 2024 is uh, $4,150 if you're in an individual plan, $8,300 if you're in a family plan. And if you're age 55 or older, you've got that $1,000 catch-up to make. The other thing Peg mentioned was required minimum distributions. And so the rules are, 
um, you know, have been changing a lot on this. It used to be when you're age 70 and a half, you had to start taking required minimum distributions. They changed those rules to make it age 72 a couple of years ago, and they just changed it before December 31st of last year to make it age 73. Uh, so those rules are kind of a moving, moving target now. But if you are one of those lucky, fortunate people that have to take a required distribution, you have to take that by December 31st of this year. And if you don't take it, there's a 25% tax penalty above ordinary taxes, above. You, know, you don't want to pay this penalty. It's bad enough you got to pay taxes. You don't want a penalty on top of that. Now, there is one great strategy that I really encourage my clients to take advantage of if they get, they're charitably inclined is to do what's called a qualified charitable distribution. This is a way that you can satisfy the required minimum distribution and avoid paying taxes on whatever you give to charity. And the trick is you can't take the check yourself and then turn it around and write, write the check to charity. You actually have to have the IRA make the check payable to the charity and it can go right to the charity or it can be delivered your, to your house. Again, the check payable to that charity or multiple charities doesn't have to be just one. And whatever you have go to charity, that is excluded from your gross income. You don't have to itemize your deductions in order to take advantage of this tax benefit. And, you're, you know, and, and it's on money that you would have had to take anyways. And there's so many good benefits by doing this qualified charitable distribution. Not only do you not have to itemize to get a tax benefit, I find that a lot of people reduce the amount of their social security benefits that are included in their taxable income. It helps reduce their adjusted gross income so their Medicare premiums aren't as high. So many good things. Bruce and Peg, anything else on the topic? Yeah, Ryan, really quickly before I throw it back to Susie she, and get uh, the listeners' questions involved, I wanted you, if you could, Ryan, um, when I let us sit down this road, I actually used a really bad example. We're talking about things you need to do before year end to help you for 2023. And I said IRAs, which actually, as you pointed out, you've got more time on those. You've got until you file your 2023 taxes. But I think sometimes it is confusing for a lot of people in terms of there are some things that, we, that the deadline in terms of there are some things that, we, that the deadline is December 31st of this year, and there's other things that the deadline is April 15th of next year. Can you talk a little bit about what has to be done in the current next year versus what, which ones we have more time on? Absolutely. This is a confusing topic, I, even for financial professionals. Uh, on our roundtable forum that we have internally at Wealth Enhancement Group, I get questions all the time about the timing of when does this need to happen? When does that need to happen? So if you're confused about it, you know, just know that professional people, just with all the dates and different limits and deadlines and things, it's a lot to keep track of. And that's why I'm so glad that we have a team to help keep track of all that. So to cover Bruce's, uh, you know, Bruce's uh, uh, comment about when, when do you have to do things when? So 401ks, 403b contributions, that has to be done by December 31st, before the end of the calendar year. And that can only be done through payroll. So can't write checks out for that. Other things, April 15th, you can do, you can still make prior year contributions, meaning by April 15th, 2024, you can still make contributions for 2023. You can make traditional and Roth IRA contributions. And 
you can make health savings account contributions. You have that ability to. And one thing to know about health savings account contributions, for those of you that participate in health savings account contributions through your payroll, let's say that you didn't hit that maximum throughout the year. You still can contribute to your company's HSA plan before April 15th for that prior year to help catch up and get that contribution made. I sure wish they let that happen for 401k plans because, you know, that's just a lot for, I think, for, for everyone to keep track of in these deadlines. Bruce, I think uh, you're making really great points about how confusing this is, and I, I, I hope someday they have a provision where, where clients can make those uh, contributions to their 401k plans after the end of the year, perhaps when they get a better idea of how the numbers are, are all coming together for their taxes. And I think that's the confusing part, too, is how do you, you know, how do you know what to do before year end? You can certainly work with a financial advisor or a tax professional to run projections before the end of the year to see, hey, should I put more in this account or that account? But remember, that 401k contribution you can only do through payroll. So if you're talking to your tax professional in the, you know, early December, you don't have a lot of paychecks left for the year. Not a lot of opportunity to take advantage of these maximum contribution amounts. Now, Bruce and Peg, anything else on that on your end? The only thing I would add is that I encourage people to take their 2022 tax return, and it's just a good way as a basis of a start. If you wanted to see if 2023 was a lot different than 2022, that's the tool that I would use first and foremost, and then just kind of look line by line and say, oh, guess what? Social Security has raised their income. So that's number one. People are already identifying, oh, a bigger part of my Social Security is getting taxed because I got the big raise, things like that. So I wanted to mention there are some things that you can do on your own to just take a look at, you know, 2022 versus 2023. Bruce? Right. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Susie, if we've got listeners, let's get them involved. All right, there are quite a few texts. I'm just going to start with a fun one, just in case you guys want to have a little yuck-yuck here. Uh, this person writes, uh, where is it, Charlie? Must I keep all the stubs of my Powerball losses to offset my Powerball winnings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, um, I don't think that counts. But there are there are some questions here. Can you make a charitable distribution from a 401k or B to, to anyone here listening? Right. Yeah, so that's a great question. And this is where and we've got this alphabet soup of retirement accounts. You've got 401k accounts. You've got IRA accounts. Both are tax deferred, but you can only do qualified charitable distributions from traditional IRA accounts. So one of the ways that you can take advantage of this provision, you have the ability to roll over 401k into a traditional IRA. And now when those funds are in the traditional IRA, now they would be eligible to take advantage of that qualified charitable distribution provision that we talked about earlier in the show. All right. What are Medicare rules for HSA contributions? If I am eligible for Medicare in August... Either one. Okay, so so this is a this is a tricky topic, and so uh, health savings account high deduct. You know, you've got to be on a high deductible plan in order to make contributions. 
Medicare is not a high deductible plan. And so there are special rules regarding Medicare, being on Medicare and being able to contribute to health savings accounts. So the texter was asking, I think they were asking, what if I'm going on Medicare in August of 2024? Couldn't be August of 2023 because we're already past that. Um, you know, in 2024, they would be eligible, as long as they're starting Medicare at age 65, they would be eligible to make a prorated contribution for the seven months that they are not on Medicare in 2024, they can prorate it out. So you take seven divided by 12 times the annual contribution amount limit to get to that. Now, if they're starting Medicare after age 65, they actually have to do one step further and they have to retroactively calculate their HSA contribution as though they had started Medicare six months before they actually got on Medicare. Makes sense to me why they do that. I have taught this at uh, continuing education seminars for attorneys and accountants and and uh, the guys just kind of roll like, what is that? Why did they put that provision in there? I don't have any idea, but just again, general rule is if you're starting on Medicare, you do a prorated contribution the year that you start to your HSA. 651-461-9226. If you have a question for our very special guest today, talking about getting ready year-end tax planning and a checklist, Ryan McGeown is with us with Wealth Enhancement. This texter writes, can I convert my institutional Roth IRA to a personal Roth IRA when I retire to avoid the required minimum distribution? Okay, Ooh. so this is... Uh Ooh, so this is a, and again, the retire, the, the alphabet soup of retirement accounts. So what the texter is referring to is something called a Roth 401k. So through your company, you can do a pre-tax 401k or a Roth 401k. And they're talking about the Roth 401k. It's kind of like a Roth IRA you do on your own, but with very nuanced differences. One of the differences is that there are required minimum distributions from Roth 401k accounts. And so one of the ways that you can get out of making required distribution from a Roth 401k is you can transfer the Roth 401k to a Roth IRA, and there are no required minimum distributions from a Roth IRA account. There are a few other nuanced differences between Roth 401k and Roth IRAs that feel make the Roth IRA a little more favorable than the Roth 401k, but that's a whole different show, guys. All right, 651-461-9226. We have a number of questions continuing to come in here. This person says, my question is, can I take half of my administration fees in 2024 and the other half in 2025 to avoid getting into the second second bracket of IRMAA? And I have no idea what that means, so I hope you do. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, so that's a, it's a tough one. So there, so and I'm assuming they're referring to administration fees. I'm guessing they're getting paid for maybe administering an estate or a trust. That's what comes to mind for me. And, and when, when you get paid as a trustee or as a personal representative, that's taxable income in the year you receive it. So if this texter takes half of their fees for being that administrator in 2023 and the other half in 2024, they get to spread it out between those two years of income, and potentially it will keep their, uh, they won't have to claim that, that 2024 payment until 2024. And, and by spreading it out, potentially they'll keep their income below these IRMA thresholds, which is, uh, the in plain English, your Medicare premiums go up. It's an income-related adjustment to your Medicare premiums. And what's even more confusing about that is 
the IRS looks and Social Security look at your 2023 income to determine your 2025 Medicare premiums and 2024 income dictates 2026 Medicare premiums. So it's uh, it's always we have lots of clients every year. Well, not too many clients because we plan plan appropriately for it. Uh, they get a surprise, uh, you know, two years after the fact. They thought they had paid all their taxes, but lo and behold, their income was too high, and they get these IRMA, these Medicare-related uh, penalties related to their income from two years prior, and their Medicare premiums get bounced up just for one year. And when their income goes back down the following year, hopefully their premiums would go down uh, the two years following that. I have to say, our texture wrote in um – to respond to my question about calling the Powerball question kind of a ha-ha, but he says, seriously, aren't Powerball losses deductible against my Powerball winning 1099? So if you really did win, let's just say you're lucky and you won $50,000 in a Powerball ticket, and we have about one minute, so you could quickly address that, and then we'll recap in 10 seconds. Yeah, let's... Brian, expand it to all gambling. Absolutely. So actually, jokingly, I had a client win the lottery, um, you know, great family, just, uh, you know, couldn't be a better couple. But you can you can deduct your gambling losses to the extent you have gambling income so that, uh, you know, if you win the Powerball, you can take any gambling losses. So but you got to document it. So like you ATM slips from the casino. If you have, uh, uh, you know, receipts from all of the, you know, times you played lottery or pull tabs or things like that, uh, which some people don't always think about, but that can really help offset that income. And if you invested money, I shouldn't say invested money because it's gambling, quick, quick. but if you bet money, you can net out those losses on the same day. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember, if you missed your call, one eight 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 six 6 advice wealth enhancement.